Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I mean, sorry. Um, promotional rates, your APR depends on your credit. APRs can also vary over time versus the prime rate and index interest rate for most loans based on on the Federal Reserve's feud. Fed funds rate. So basically what this is saying in a nutshell is that your credit card has an interest rate annual percentage rate. And that's how the credit card company makes money by charging interest to lend you money. And those rates can depend on, this is what I said earlier in the program, people remember, everybody in this country for the most part can obtain credit. It's just a matter of what are you going to pay for this credit? So those with good credit scores, and what is a good credit score, Dante? Huh? I said those people with good credit scores, what is a good credit score? Um, 850. 850, or let's just say 750 above. Are they going to pay a high interest rate to borrow the money, or are they going to pay a low interest rate? If you have a good credit score, you pay a low interest rate. Right, right. So both you and I, let's just say I had bad credit and you have good credit. Can both you and I borrow, get a credit card for a $5,000 limit, let's just say? My credit is bad. Your credit is good. We both could probably qualify, right? But they're going to put us in different pockets. You having a good credit score, they'll give you, they'll put you in a pool of people with good credit scores and give you a low interest rate. Me, on the other hand, I'd pay a higher interest rate, a little more stringent terms. We both would have access to the same $5,000, but it's going to cost me more to get that $5,000 than it costs you. And this is one of the points I was making earlier in the program where like, you know, people that are not managing doing their credit are just going to be paying more than the other person. And that gets back to the analogy we talked about who's paying more, the guy that's driving the Honda or the guy that's driving the Tesla. And what's the answer, Dante, to that question? Tesla. Huh? Tesla. No, the answer is we don't know. Why we don't know? Why is it we don't know? Because the guy driving the Honda could have horrible credit while the guy driving the Tesla could have great credit. Make sense? Therefore, he may be paying more. Make sense? Yeah. So you're doing yourself a really disservice to your own self. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're cutting your nose to spite your face when you practice bad habit, bad credit habits, or you practice, you don't practice, you know, the things we teach here in financial literacy because you're only really hurting yourself. And things, and that's when it becomes where people like find themselves in huge debt situations and they can't get out of it because they're, they're fighting this uphill battle. And this is the point of this program while Rachel, Nigel, Ramon, and all the other team, we all try to teach this to you because we don't want you to fight that uphill battle. We want you to learn this stuff before you start obtaining credit. Get it? 
So the percentage rate really means how much are you going to pay? I think we skipped the sheet, Rachel. I think there was more on the other sheet. Sorry. I'm having yeah. a computer problem. Oh, oh. I know. Oh, I got it. I seem to have to go forward to go backward. There we go. Okay. So compounding interest. We talked about that in the last class where it's interest upon interest. You guys remember that? So that polo shirt that you bought for $40 could turn into $200 if you keep carrying the balance, not paying it off in full and have a high interest rate on your credit card. And in the definition of interest that is calculated not only on the initial amount borrowed, but also on the accumulated interest from prior periods. Does that make sense to everybody? I know we went through it before. I just want to make sure we're clear so I don't have to go through it again. But if we're not clear, I will definitely go through it again. Is that clear by show of hands? Yes. Everybody understands compound interest, what it means? I see some thumbs up. Okay, good. Wonderful. All right. So let's go to balance. Can somebody I'll, help me read? Go ahead. Hey, Sean, I'll take on balance transfer. Thank you, sir. All right. So balance. No, balance. Transfer. We're, at, we're at balance. Before balance transfer. Oh, balance. Okay, balance is the amount of money you owe on a bill, including any purchases, interest, late fee, late payments, fees, transaction fees, annual fees, cash advances, or balance transfers. So your balance initially is going to be any additionals that you add on, any late fees that are added on, any interest that is added on, to your, your monthly statement that comes um, to you. So the balance is basically an easy, un easy term to understand. It's going to be what's left over in terms of what's owed. You're gonna do balance transfer now, right? Yeah, I'll do balance transfer. And um, allows you to transfer the debt from an old card to a new card, usually with a lower interest rate. Many cards offer a zero introductory APR, which we just explained on balance transfers. However, they may come with balance transfer fees of three to 5% of total transfer and may have limits. So if you transferred, let's say $1,000, the initial transfer could come with a fee of three to 5%, even though the initial uh, amount of an introductory rate could be zero. So your monthly statements on that for six months would not have interest bearing on it. It takes you out of the compounding interest cycle. That's why a lot of people utilize balance transfers to, to lower and quickly pay off their debts if they have um, several cards. They put them all under one card and they can utilize that system for maybe, you know, sometimes six months, even longer. This is a point where I like to say, you know, you know, when it comes to banking and credit cards, you know, you don't have to marry these cards. You know, you simply date them because a lot of times cards will give you like certain rates, what you call teaser rates, low interest rates to bring you in as a client. And then they'll adjust those rates to higher rates when you're not really paying attention. And you should always be looking at what rates you're paying, if you're carrying a balance, what you're earning, how your money is working for you, or what you're paying to borrow money. It's very important to watch it and be mindful of it. So like Jeff was saying, one of the things that they offer when it's good credit are zero interest credit cards for an for extended period of time. They, I've seen them as short as six months, and I've seen them as long as two years. And really... That's to get you into their portfolio to sign up for their card. But we like to, they're called teaser rates. And the great thing about them, getting a zero interest rate credit card can be such a powerful tool for you to use <clears throat> to pay off higher interest credit cards. People have asked me, oh, should I pay off my student loan with a zero interest credit card? Well, in some cases, depending on your balance, I don't see why not to save those interest payments if you can transfer it over and put it in paid zero interest. But if it's something where, hey, you're, the interest adjusts six months from now and you're stuck with a super high interest you can't get back to your lower interest student rate it may not be wise to do it you have to look at the trajectory of how many more payments you have left how long it's going to be but you really you know the point i'm trying to make is understanding what it's costing you to borrow that money which is determined by the interest rate and the better credit you have 
the lower the interest rate will be. And balance transfers is a way to transfer balances on high interest cards and bring them over to lower interest cards. And banks welcome this, especially if your credit is good. You know, they're, they're, it's a very competitive, the credit card business is a very competitive environment between Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Capital One, Discover. They're all fighting for your business, especially if your credit is good. So they'll offer you great terms and rates to, just to bring your balance over. So it's something that I agree that you should always be mindful. And if you're going to get a better deal somewhere, then my opinion is take it. Um, the next topic is billing cycle. The interval of time between receiving bills. A billing cycle is a reoccurring and, and is most often set to repeat on a monthly basis. For example, a credit card will often send bills out to on the first of the month for services provided the previous month. So basically, like I said earlier, when you put something on a credit card, the billing cycle is a 30-day billing cycle. So you really have 30 days in which to make a payment. And that's an interest-free period where you're not going to pay any fees or services if you pay within that 30 days. You know, on loans, most things typically run on a billing cycle of 30 days. Calendar days, not business days. So the thing you have to be mindful of doesn't... So if I'm telling you 30 calendar days, does that mean if you paid... If your bill is due on the 7th of June, will it be due on the 7th of every month? How many people say yes? How many people say no? When I Listen carefully when I said it's on calendar days. Can you repeat that? So if your last credit card bill was on the 7th of November, let's call it, and it's on 30 calendar days, will your December bill be on the 7th of December? Will your January bill be on the 7th of January if it's 30 calendar days? I like that you're thinking. Your eyes are going in multiple directions. You're thinking, Veronica. Not necessarily. Why not? Why not, Joseph? It depends on how many days are in the month. If there's 31 days, then it'll end in that 30, in that 30 days. So on the yes. 31st of that month. You're an honor and a scholar. Exactly. So you have, that's where sometimes you'll get caught out there because you'll pay late and you'll pay a little interest because you didn't, you think, oh, every month I pay on the 7th. But you said, Joe, some days are 31 days. In February, there could be 28 or 29 days. So you have to look to me, to me, pay attention to your credit, to your credit statement, credit card statements or your statements in general to see when they are due. I mean, they should be due within two or three days of the same date every month, but you really you know, I've seen credit cards stick it to people that are a day late because they were thinking that, oh, I pay this bill on the seventh of every month. Um, cash advances. Joseph, since you got the right answer, I'm going to reward you with reading on the definition of cash advances. You said you read the definition of cash. What? Cash advance. Advance. Yeah. Gotcha. A service provided by many credit issuers. Hold on, my phone. A service provided by many credit issuers allowing credit holders to withdraw cash through an ATM or directly from a bank or other financial agency because cash advances typically carry a high interest rate, even higher than credit card purchases. And the interest become um, be, the interest begins to occur immediately. They should be sparingly. So sum it up, Joseph, what does that mean? It means you shouldn't want to use a cash advance because the interest on it, it starts immediately as soon as you get the money out. Well, exactly. What do we say that makes you look? What's that D word I say all the time? Desperate. Exactly. Desperate. Desperate. There we go. So you do not want to do that. You don't have that 30-day window that we talked about. It starts immediately and the interest rates are very high. Okay? And next one, Veronica, read... Credit line. What is that? The limit on how much a lender will let you borrow. Okay, so we talked about this in previous classes. This is all good a summary. Should you run things? Should you max out your credit line? Should you max out your credit card? Your eyes. I like when you're, you're thinking, Veronica. You're thinking. Should I max out my credit card? Should you max out, your credit? You max out your credit card? How does that look? Well, if you have a $5,000 limit, should you make it? Should you run it up to five thousand dollars every month? We talked about this in previous classes. Um, I'm not so sure. Can anybody help her out, Joseph? Can you help her out? Should she max out her credit cards? No Never chance. max out your credit card, Kishan. Tell me why. 
Sorry, Joseph. Sorry to cut you off. Kishan, oh. tell me why. Oh, because like you could like lose the amount of money that you could have like saved up, and like that that money could have like multiplied into like increasing like increasing instead of like decreasing the money value. Like if you max out your credit. Um, and how does that make you look to credit? You want to get additional credit? If you want to get apply for a mortgage, you want to increase your credit line. How does that make you look if you're always maxed out? It's gonna make you look bad because like you're not being responsible of spending your money wisely. And like, and like, that's gonna make you look bad because you're always like maxed out whenever you like your next payment. Thank you, exactly, and thank you, Rachel. What do you mean, your like name looks familiar. Saving you it look... in your credit card. No, Rachel said the right word. Let's say, Rachel, you want to help us out? Why do you say the word desperate? Are you there? Yeah. Wait. Yeah, I could not unmute myself. Because that's the D word. Every time you say D word, I think debt. And I've been trying to remember, no, no, it's that you look desperate because you're spending all this money every single time. Exactly. And um, can I give here. like a, a small real world example, like analogy? Of, of so, course, of course. So, I, I swear I'm not giving a lot of analogies today because I find I got to slap my hand because I'm trying to stick to the program so we get through stuff. So I'm not trying to give a lot of well, he's real life experience. And here comes Ray. So but I like that Ray's going to go in because that's my favorite part of the class is real life examples. That so I'm, I'm happy that you're able to share one. Think about this friend, right? Every time lunchtime comes around on Monday, they ask Veronica for $5. On Tuesday, they ask Rachel <laughs> for $5. And on Wednesday, they ask Sean for $5. Here comes Thursday and they ask, uh, they ask me for $5, right? So I go, I go to Rachel, I go to Veronica and I go to Sean. I'm like, Hey, did, uh, did they ever pay you back that $5? Now the $5 were never paid back. So chances are, do I want to lend them that $5? I don't think so. No. They're going to eat looking, my lunch too. Exactly. You're looking desperate. But imagine, just to get a little deeper into Ramon's analogy, okay, I lent, Ramon, I lent him $5, I paid him back. He lent somebody else on Friday, he paid him back $7. Somebody else lent him five. he paid him back $9 at a time. And then and then out of a sudden, he doesn't owe anybody any money. And he comes to you and, you, and you've heard like, oh, yeah, he, sort of Sean, he borrowed from Sean, but he paid him back. He borrowed from my other friend, too, a couple months after, and he gave him extra money. Then he comes to you. You may be like, well, Ramon's probably a, a savvy investor. He doesn't look desperate. He just looks like he's, you know, boring and maybe doing something positive with it. So would you lend Ramon the money again? More than likely you may, correct? Yes, Veronica, you there with me? I didn't see yeah. the shifting eyes. You were thinking this one, you're straight. Know the answer. Great. Okay. So with your credit line, you you know, the, the golden rule is you, you try to stay only at 30% of whatever the, the amount is that you're able to borrow. So if you got a five hundred dollar credit limit credit card, you, you try to only use $30 of it. $10,000, $3,000. You know, try to only use 30% utilization rate. Let's go to the next slide, please, Rachel. Thank you. Mr. Atrus, you want to go through this one? Okay. You buy it's a total monthly debt payment. Um, I'm sorry, debt to income. And so that divides the total monthly debt payments by your gross monthly income. To find a percentage lenders use um, DTI and your credit history to evaluate your, your credit worthiness. And each lender sets different limits. 20% or lower is low, while exceeding 40% is a sign of financial stress. So debt to income, basically, is how they will look at your income and then find a way to decide how much they may want to lend you. Okay, so if your if your income is let's say um, like this one says a, a different limit of twenty percent or lower is low, then that means that your debt, I mean your income is not really able to withstand a high level of debt. All right, so if you're if you're making only fifteen thousand and you got ten thousand worth of debt then your income is low to your debt level, all right? So when, when you borrow for a home, most of the time, they will look at your income and they don't want you to, ex to exceed a certain level, 
for example, if you make $50,000, you're trying to borrow, let's say 200,000 for a home. Now you may be within the limit for them to lend you. All right, so you divide the total monthly debt payment by your gross monthly income, okay? Does anybody have any questions? Let me make it a little, so your debt to income ratio, like uh, Mr. 850 is trying to explain. Oh, so everybody understands. Okay, great. Well, then I don't need to explain it. Everybody says they get it. But in the world of business, and just so you know, like the, of the wealth mindset, people more look at how well you can manage that debt. And what do I mean by how well you can manage that debt? America is built on debt. You know, the rich get richer off knowing how to leverage and manage debt. So now that you've talked a little about debt all week and credit, because credit loans are all a form of debt. What do you think of, what are the, some of the skills, what are some of the things that make you look that you can, well, that you can manage debt correctly? What are some of the things that would make a lender say, hey, this person can manage debt? If they want to come up with an idea, they need money to, they need money to start a business, they need money to buy a home, they need money to, to pay off past debt or to just do general things that I think this person exhibited skills that they know how to manage debt. What are some of the things you need to show that you're able to manage debt correctly? Who can give me one or two things? Um, when you- Good credit. On well, great. Well, how do we get there? Good credit, yes. But how do we get there? Great, great ass product. But how do we get there? What are some of the things we have to show? When Good credit is one. Well, you're paying your bills all the time. Right. So what about having no debt? Does that show that you have, that you can manage debt well? If you have no debt- Maybe. What does everybody else think? I mean, want the 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 um the the not only the students but the teachers as well to think. Ramon, Nigel, Rachel, get involved. What do you guys think about? Does no debt make you look like you can manage debt? Yes. Everybody agree. I, I'm sorry, I'm in transit, but um, no debt makes it seem like you're inexperienced, I think. What do you think, Ramon? I'm looking to hear what you're yeah. answering. I think Ray's talking to somebody. Oh, he is? Okay. Rachel, what do you think? Um, so Myra answered in the chat. Oh, go, Trey. What? Oh. Trey, go ahead. I see Zamira answered in the chat. So what do you think, Trey? Now, I'm reading off one of the students. They said, no, because how are you supposed to prove you're doing good? That's what Absolutely. Absolutely. Have some absolutely. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Like the, it, right? the catch 22, yeah. no, no debt is not actually a favorable thing for you. You know, I was even like, my goal was always to pay off my mortgages. And I found out like once, if I were to pay my mortgages to zero, I'd pay more in taxes. So most people like the wealthy will always leave a little bit of a balance, 50,000, 60,000 balance on a mortgage for properties to avoid taxes, higher taxes. So it's always good to show that you're able, to, you're continually managing debt. You're absolutely right. No debt does not make you, because it's an experience. We don't know. Like if somebody coming to tell you that I can play chess better than you and they've never, they don't even know the difference between chess and checkers. So you kind of always, you always have to be active and have some kind of evolving debt to keep your credit score up. No activity on your credit report is not a good thing. Does yeah, no sense? activity is a giant question mark because it's an unknown. Correct. Correct. We don't it's know unknown. How, how you're going to behave. If you had debt and you wiped it away, but you were married, you had a home, and then you, for a period of time, wiped it off, they still have a history. But if you had no debt and you're coming in and you want to borrow, they'll have to do what's called a manual evaluation for you to get the loan. Okay. Um, late payment fees are charges incurred when you don't pay at least a minimum due each month on your credit card. We know this. We've talked about this. You don't want to pay late because you're going to hit you with fees. Okay. Minimum payment. What does paying only the minimum make you look like? What's my favorite word? Please tell me, everybody. 
Desperate. 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 So you always want to pay a little bit more than the minimum. But if you can't, at least make the minimum. Right? Yeah. Promotional rates are discounted introduction rates to entice you to choose a particular credit card that rate goes up after an agreed upon time. Okay. Rachel, I'm going to be a little bit tricky here. I want to jump to class five to talk about debit cards versus credit cards. Then we're going to jump back to class four, if that's okay. Because I put a couple slides together that I want to make sure we go over today. You are testing my Zoom ability. Hold I'm on. Testing your skill set. Does anybody have any questions so far? Is everybody, yeah. Is everybody okay with the pace? Um, so part of the program, like you see, is really understanding you guys, making sure we address your questions and concerns. So, you know, this is what I love about working with Rachel and her team. They were like, you know, our team needs to know a little bit more about credit cards versus debit cards. Maybe we should talk about that a little bit more and get a little more in depth about it. And I said, absolutely. So we decided to I put some stuff together. My team and I, shout out to Adam and Jonathan and those guys that helped me put these slides together to really break down the difference between debit versus credit cards. Because, you know, it's that's something I take for granted. I think that it's a given, but there isn't. You know, when did you guys have time to sit down in class and understand a debit card versus a credit card? So it's something that I've overlooked for years. And thank God it was brought to my attention because now we're going to talk about it. Keep going a little, Rachel. Go, go. Go, go, go. There you go. Okay. Yep. So um, credit card versus debit cards. Can everybody read that? Maybe we need to look a little bigger. Okay. We're going to go through these are great questions that you probably have that we thought about and said, okay, let's try to answer them, right? So whose money are you spending with a credit card? Paying with credit card is like borrowing money. Paying with debit is like spending cash. You know, back in the early days, before there was no plastic, you know, we never had debit cards a long, long time ago. We would just walk around with cash. And somebody came up with an ingenious idea. It was like, let's just make this card that can access your bank account and you don't have to rock around with cash. Now, maybe they were smarter. They wouldn't have made them look just like a credit card. It would probably avoid a lot of confusion. And that's why people have the confusion. But just imagine how different the world would be if a debit card never looked like a credit card, then we'd every, there would be clarity. So because they look alike doesn't mean they act alike in the same function. And I think that's where the misunderstanding is. But people like myself that came from cash and then we got this new credit card automatically get it. But if I was born into this world, I'd be like, they look the same. You know, if I was born or, you know, if I was a generation Z or Y, whatever, I like either two of the same cards. And I saw my mom and dad with the same cards. And one day they pull out debit cards and they pull out a credit card. And I truly, really wouldn't know the difference. So I get the question. Yeah. Um, so credit card holders borrow money from issuers like Citibank, Capital One. And that's the same thing, too, because you'll see a credit card with a Citibank logo on it. You'll see a debit card with a Citibank logo on it. But they perform two different functions. And sometimes you can't tell the difference between a credit card and a debit card. Unless you ask the person, is this credit or that's why they'll ask you to look at the card and be like credit or debit, because the cards even look alike. So it's not even like I can tell you distinguishing factors when you look at a card and know which is which. You have to know your cards, or now you have to know electronically what's in your wallet, not even the physical card, because they do look alike. Um, then so, but they perform different two different functions. The debit card goes. Ex directly into your savings or checking account while the credit card is that short-term 30-day loan. Okay. Are we clear so far? Can, wait. That is the foundation of understanding it. Can you, there's a, Veronica, your question, aren't we recycling if we all used cards? Wait. Are we recycling if we all used cards for money? I'm not sure I get that question. Yeah, like if we all use like debit cards, credit cards, then we are recycling because we're not using the paper, paper money. Yeah, it's more efficient. Mm -hmm. We're doing, it's more efficient, but it's just, you know, it's just think about not having to walk around with cash. Like I walk around with cash more or less for decorative purposes. I don't, you don't really need to walk around cash at these times, maybe for, small even the even the bodega now takes credit cards or debit cards right 
you know, for just small little purchases, you walk around with cash, but you really cash is, is truly, you know, almost extinct. Um, when do you have to repay the money you spent? Well, money must be paid back monthly. Can either repay the full balance or make a minimum payment. U.S. average is $124. We talked about that. With a debit card, there's no monthly payment required because you're spending, once again, your own money. What happens if I can't spend, make, make a month, your monthly payment? Late fees, penalty rates, damage to credit score, and possibility lawsuit. Uh, most missed payments equals more consequences. Not applicable because you're only spending the money in your account. So you may be like, well, why am I going to get a credit card when I can have all these things happen to me by using credit? But remember, with a debit card, you're not going to earn those great rewards. You're not going to have that security. Like when I buy something on a credit card and it's faulty, it's not working, I don't like, you know, then there's a problem. There's an opportunity that I can use my credit card. Like, for example, I just bought some appliances from one of my friends that works at um, an appliance store. He got me some appliances and he gave me his employee discount. But in order to get his employee discount, he kind of had to purchase it for me. And that was a little bit scary because, you know, I know by using my credit card, I had a little bit of security in case something goes wrong. In the back of my head, I was like, so I really, is it worth, I had to evaluate, is this discount worth not paying full and not having that security that I could have if I put it on my credit card? Credit, putting it on credit gives that sense of security. And there's a third party involved that has your back. How do you authorize your credit your credit card? Most require a signature. Not all transactions with credit cards nowadays require a signature, but some do. And with the debit card, it's more than just signing. You have to put in your PIN because you're having direct access to your account, to your checking account. So there's an extra level of security. So in most cases where you see people or you're purchasing something, you have to put in your PIN. You're doing a debit transaction versus a credit card transaction. Does it provide you with cash? Some credit cards, cash advantage, where you can withdraw a limited amount of cash and must pay it back. We talked about that. You can use your debit card to withdraw cash, of course, at the ATM or sometimes cash back at a retailer. Do you get any rewards for spending? Offers the ability to earn rewards or points or spending, which can be redeemed for cash, merchandise, discounts, or travel perks. Most debit cards typically don't offer rewards or it's very limited, not that great. Because the banks aren't really making money when you withdraw cash. They're not trying to encourage you to take your money out the bank. They want you to keep your money in the bank so they can leverage your money to make money. Does it impact your credit score? This is a question people always say, well, I have a debit card and I'm using There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America NA, copyright 2024. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com the debit card so isn't that helping my credit remember with it with a bank card you're not crediting anything you're just accessing your money from your savings account and taking it or checking out and withdrawing so it has zero impact to your credit score it does nothing for your credit um and while a credit card helps you establish your credit and get them in over the long term will give you access to greater to greater deeper credit and better rewards and better benefits what does it help you to do you know once again, I've said it many times, it helps you build credit, 
maximize your rewards and get purchases, get purchase protected. Uh, what is a debit card help you do? What is RFID? Sorry, Ramon, I didn't understand. Um, debit cards, avoid debt. You know, you're not gonna have that monthly debt. You can track your spending daily and budgeting with cash. I prefer, even if you had to use, I prefer debit cards and using cash because like you said, you can track your spending. You have a history of your purchase habits and what you're buying. So at most times, you know, I would recommend if you had to choose between cash and debit card, once again, use a debit card. At least there's a trace. Um, what else should you consider? Limited the number of accounts, open legalization ratio, points versus fees. Um, while debit card requirement for opening checking account, ATM branch. And for you young people, you should not be having it. You should not have an account right now where you have to pay monthly fees. There's a, so many student accounts where the fees are waived. I just opened one for my son. So you should really make sure that your, your, bank account, your banks aren't charging you fees because you may not be holding a minimum amount need required. Um, try to find accounts where you're not going to be paying fees. There's what a, else should... Uh, sorry, there's a question from Veronica. If you ahead, just had your uh, credit card but don't have bills to your credit, what should you do to up your credit if you just had your credit card but don't have no bills to up your credit, what should you do to up your credit? So, do you have a cell phone? Veronica, do you have a cell yeah. phone? How do you pay your cell phone? My mom pays. <laughs> oh, bank of mom. Well, bank of mom, right? Well, when you do, usually I, I, put my, I pay my cell phone on my credit card. Do you have any other bills? Like, what about your Metro card? You have a Metro card? I use the school. Yeah, the card. What about Hulu okay. or Netflix? Eh, I use the, like the free trial. I don't really pay it. <laughs> well, you're smart. So you don't have any monthly bills at all? Not really. Good. Well, enjoy you will get there it, one day. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> you will get there one day. And when you get there, revisit this slide. How can, how's that? And you, what do you do? Go out and eat with your friends? Do you do anything like entertainment-wise? Do you have a job? Well, I'm going to get one in December. Okay. So do you hang out with your friends? Yeah. So when you hang out with your friends, you buy little things for yourself. For eat. That's where you can put this stuff so, on. So that could like up my credit if I like buy little things at the store or something? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then how are you gonna, what are you going to pay every month? Are you going to pay the minimum, half of it, or are you going to pay all of it every month? Wait, repeat that. Okay, if you put little things on your credit card every month and you and your credit card bill comes in and it comes in for $120 and your statement says minimum payment due $10, how much are you paying? And the balance is $120. How much do I pay? Like $10. How much would you pay? Okay, she says she's paid $10. Who said all of it? Yeah, I said all of it. And why all of it? So you won't have to worry about nothing else. What's nothing else? Like all the other fees that you got to pay, I guess. Right. Interest fees, this is where they get you. So what if she, she says she only should pay the minimum $10? Does she only pay the minimum? No. Right. They encourage you to pay only the minimum. Because why are they encouraging her only to pay the minimum? Well, they get you. That's where they get you. Exactly. That's their business, to get you to pay only minimum so they can charge you for borrowing their money. Wait, did Kathy have her hand up? I think someone had their hand up. Is that on purpose? So, okay. Sean, let me, I just want to quickly add, many of you have debit cards and you're going to be venturing into credit cards. You're building a habit of spending only what you have in your checking or saving. And, you know, you pay that amount and the money comes out of your checking or your savings account. Well, when you get into that habit, then treat your credit card the same way. Only spend what you're going to cover for that expense and in full. If you get into that habit, you won't run into any trouble. And if you're going to carry debt, you carry debt as a, a commercial user, not a consumer. So right now, we all are consumers. We're young. We're just coming out. We're not really, you know, working. We're still in school. 
we do not want unnecessary debt. And I have a question. Yes. Is it okay to have, uh, like, is it okay to use a credit card and not pay in the 30 days, but pay like a day or two after? You can pay a day or two after, but what's going to happen for doing that? What's going to happen if you pay late? Credit score go down? And no. Well, your score may not go down, but you're going to get a, a late fee. Oh, a late fee. Oh. And they have the right to charge you the interest that we talked about. But Even if it's just two, one or two days? One or two days. You have a due date. I have you got to be disciplined to meet that date. Yeah. I have a question. Sure. Uh, don't isn't there like a fee if you have like negatives, like if you're a minus on your account? Yes, absolutely. Do you have a negative balance in your bank? No, I was just wondering. Yeah, that may not affect. I think Trey put it in the chat. Yeah. I think she's referring to a debit. Um, Debit card account when you when your your balance your uh, balance goes to the negative it's like a, you get to charge the overdraft fee. Right. So the thing that you just said, Trey, that you could or you could get overdraft on your credit card on your bank account, which could be linked to a credit card. And that's another good way to, in which to utilize a credit card to know that it's a protection so that you if you go over your spending on your debit card and the banks intentionally let you go into negative because they can charge you twenty five dollars NSF non sufficient funds meaning. AKA you're broke, you don't have the money in the bank, so they can charge you now. And that's where they take advantage of people that don't have it. They can charge you a $25 NSF fee and it keeps you even further in the negative. So you can link your credit card to your checking or savings account to say, hey, sometimes it happens. You slipped up a check clear that you didn't think about, something got paid out that you weren't really calculating. And to avoid paying that fee, they would debit the money from your credit card. That's another good reason to have a credit card. And I have linked my accounts as an extra security for overdraft protection to my credit cards. Also, should you put all your money in your card? You know, on your debit card, and even so in other words, put all your money in the bank. Like if you have a debit or a credit. I'm not understanding the question. You just gotta you gotta be a little more clear. Like should you put all your money in your credit card or your debit card? No, I think, let I me, think, let me, can I answer that real quick? I put my bills on my credit card. Yeah. The bills I'm going to pay anyway. So I put those on a credit card. If I go shopping, if I know I'm going to spend $200 at the supermarket, if I know that I got to pay my cable bill, if I know I have to pay my car insurance, if I know I have to pay my home insurance, I'll slap it on my credit card because these bills I'm going to pay with cash. So instead of me writing a check, I put it on the card. I see what, what my statement looks like. I pay the whole statement off before the due date. Every month for 20 years. Never had a late okay. So I'm, I'm like, my whole habit is to pay and never have interest. What about debit? I don't use debit cards. Wow. At all? Never? No, well, I, I got debit cards, but debit I, don't, card. I don't use them. So yeah, why do you like, keep your money at then? Like, you know, when you get paid for like a job or something like that? That doesn't mean that he doesn't have a checking account. The, the, money, the money gets transferred from my checking to my, to my credit cards through my phone. Hmm. I'm in so the if I see my monthly statement on my phone, I just press pay, and then I have the bank link to my credit card, and it pays it. Exactly, and it's a wealth mindset. I don't. I rarely use my bank card to withdraw money. It's mostly to deposit, or like everything's linked, so everything's coming off my credit. Everything's going on to my credit card and being paid off by my debit card, as you can say, paying out of my bank account. So I'm not having a lot of use to withdraw money or use cash because I'm making sure that I'm managing myself and keeping my expenses on my credit card and earning as many points and rewards as I possibly can, building my relationship with my credit cards. And every month, linking my credit card payment to my checking or savings account and taking out the money from there. Does that make sense? So, you know, if you're actively doing debit transactions, like 
it's a pet peeve of mine. I, and I've had tenants where I'm like, you know, they send me their application and I look at their, they send me their bank statements and it's just a pet peeve. I wish I could just tell them, you know, when I see their debit card statements and I see Target, Starbucks, um, Walmart, uh, Outward Friends, and all these purchases directly on their debit card. I just feel like saying, no, put it on a credit card, earn points, earn rewards, and then pay it off monthly with that same debit card instead of doing day-to-day purchases on your debit card. So like say if you have like um you, you take like a thousand dollars or you pay like something with like a thousand dollars with your credit card, right? And then the 30 days you have to pay that back. Do you is it you are you paying it back with your money, right? So you have to pay it back with your money, right? Right. So there's only limited debits coming out of my account every month to pay off the credit card because all my payment, all my charges are being put on the credit card. So I can earn, I can earn points, earn rewards with that. Get it? Is that making sense? Yeah. So we need to get credit cards. We need to open a card. A card. What happens if your card is stolen or lost? You have minimal liability with your credit card. Immediately notify your institution of a lost card or fraudulent transaction. They usually cancel the card. They issue a new card. Usually just change the last four digits of the credit card, and you're and nothing. All is well. And you get alerts. They'll send you alerts when something looks strange. Like they monitor credit card transactions heavily. So they'll know by like IP, IP, IP addresses. So for example, if my, they can tell if somebody's using my credit card in Dubai, they'll ask me, are you in Dubai right now, Sean? I'm like, no. And they're like, okay, we're going to cancel this card. You know, we, and they'll see your patterns, your spending patterns. That's how they're monitoring. Like Sean usually buys, you know, every day he buys, he goes to Starbucks and buys a coffee, but all of a sudden he's buying coffee from Tim Horns in Vancouver, British Columbia. That's not making sense. They send an alert. Sean, are you in Vancouver right now? Oh yeah, I'm here on vacation. Okay, we're just checking in on Mr. Lynn to make sure that there hasn't been a fraudulent charge. When you put something on a debit card, banks rarely will refund you for a bad purchase and give you back your money from a debit card transaction. Because they look at it, it's your money, your responsibility, your job to manage it, know where you're buying from. All right. I, you rarely see a credit being issued back for a bad or fraudulent transaction you did with your debit card. But with your credit card, all the time they credit you back. You're paying for that service it's called purchase protection. All right, let's go to the next line. Okay, let's talk about picking your bank. Okay, um, Mr. Aphis, I'll let you start off. Okay, pick your bank. Brick and mortar banks, Bank of America, Chase, Credit Unions, uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Co- Cooperative, Federal Credit Union, Neighborhood Trust, Federal Credit Unions, and online banks, Ally Bank, are the most popular choices. Um, be sure to consider other key features. And we just—I got this um, thing up. Let me just take it down so I can see this, including benefits, memberships, annual fees, account minimums, and branches and ATM locations. This information can be found on your bank's website or by visiting a local branch. So this is important that you 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 try to have an account with a reputable bank that's hopefully close to you that has access. So the big bank, the big ones are the, you know, Citibank, Chase, Bank of America. I do online banking as well. So I have banks that are just online. They have no store. I have one, one America and I have uh, Bank of Popular, which is online. So these are banks that give me a little better interest, but Say what? Which one is the best bank? That's speculative. So you can go on bankrate.com and they'll show you the leading banks that offer the best interest. But um, typically banks are a place to just, you know, hold money, emergency money for emergencies. So you have a certain level of money for, you know, you set aside just in case something happens. And for if you're looking to do a big investment, you you also put the money in there. But as an investment, banks 
are really not really giving you anything. They're, you're actually losing money based on the inflation rate by keeping your money in the bank. So as we know, um, everything has gone up in, in cost, whether it's bread, food, cars. So your money in the bank is not giving you any interest. It's giving you less than 1%. But it's a holding place, and it's a starting point, an important starting point. You have to master banking and then lead into other investments. But banking is your first choice. So your, yeah, just, to add, just to add to what Mr. 850 would say, I would say, as young adults, I would say your primary should look about, you should be thinking about how easy is it for me to access my money and how and what is the cost of accessing my money? Meaning, if you choose a bank with not a lot of ATMs, every time you try to go to an ATM, you want to withdraw or do something, you may be charged a fee because you have to use another ATM. Like I have a friend. I respect him and admire him for his decision. He's selling a few properties and he doesn't want to spend the money and he knows he has bad spending habits. So what he's doing, which is smart, I thought, he is opening up an account in Virginia and he lives in New York City, a small branch. He's not taking an ATM card. He's not taking any checks. He's just depositing his money there because he doesn't want to have quick access to it. He wants to be able to have to drive every six to seven hours to take out his money. So he has to think about it. He has to make sure that what he's taking it out is for the right reason. Because if he had it, if he opens an account in New York at Chase, at you know Bank of America, where it's easy accessible, he'll he'll chip away at it, and he really wants to use the money to invest later on. So he's like, Sean, come with me to Virginia. I want to drive this money there, open it up a mom and pop bank, so I have limited access to it. And if I do have to take out money, it better be for a damn good reason because it's a six seven hour drive to get to that money. And I can only admire him for making that decision because some. And this is knowing yourself. You know, as much as we practice, we preach all this stuff. We all have bad habits, including myself. <laughs> and it's up for you to be alert of what they are and try to figure out a way in which to fix it and, and get over it, get past it. So his, his way of doing it, I'm like, I think it's great. I think it's smart. You know? But for you as a young person, you want to think, you know, how easily can I access my money? And what is it going to be the cost to access? So you want to look at fees. You want to look at the number of ATMs and you know, that sort of thing to make your decision. Um, so next one, we're gonna we have about two more minutes. Um, I'm gonna try to race through these a little. Choose your account type, and the basic ones you're gonna choose from is checkings or savings. And many banks offer entry level checking, while others require more monthly minimum balances. Like I said, in your case, you want to make sure, especially as students, that you're not gonna be charged a lot of fee for the number of transactions. You have to be mindful of some of the banks will be like, okay you have up to 10 trans free transactions a month. And if you know you're a person that does a lot of transactions, you may want to think of another account because that's where you're going to get hit. You should really make a point trying not to pay any fees for doing any banking. And savings is you may earn a little bit of higher interest rate, but in these times, I don't even know why people have savings accounts. I don't want to knock anything against a savings account right now, but I think conventionally back in the day, back in my day, Mr. 850's days, they had more meaning to it. But I don't think... I don't know if you can agree, Mr. 850, having a savings account over a checking account, I really don't see the benefit. I think it should just be, you should just focus on having a checking account because you're not really earning that much in interest in a savings account. Would you agree, Mr. 850? Uh, yeah, um, I, I would agree that, you know, savings account, even though I have a savings account, um, it's like, it's not really serving a purpose other than have some money that's there for emergency. Exactly. And, and it gives you a feeling that, okay, if something happens, hopefully I can get, go to the bank and get this money out and go about but, my business. But, but, but sitting in a checking account versus savings, it's really not, be, there's no advantage of having a saving. Right. It's, not it's really no difference to me. Yeah. So I would encourage young people to more focus on getting a checking account. Um, conform, yeah, I have a checking account. Perfect. But just make sure you're not paying any fees, okay? A limited fees. Confirm eligibility and collect documents. Confirm your bank's eligibility, age requirements, and collect information required by your bank before you go in there. You can call the 1-800 numbers. You don't want to go all the way to the branch and find out you're missing something. So you more want to find out what you're, what's needed to open up an account. You know, I had to go with my son recently, who was 16 years old, to help him open up his first student account. And it kind of had a sister under my account. But, um, yeah, find out if your parents need to come with you, what, what, what they're looking for, Okay. 
Um, apply, visit your bank's branch or online site to learn more about the application process. And initial deposits can be made within cash if, if applying in, per, in person. Um, so any questions? I think we're finishing right on schedule. Um, is there any questions? I know it was a lot. I know it was a lot to take in today. It may be as not entertaining as it usually is, but this is all important stuff. Yes, thank you, Ramon. Going with a guardian or trusted adult, I've had too many students not get the respect they deserve when going to banks on their own. Absolutely. What about leasing a car compared to buying one? Well, we can talk about that next class. Akeem, I'll see you on Thursday. Um, yeah, does anybody have any questions? Rachel, any questions? Ray, anybody, any students, any teachers? You guys are all good. Veronica, I see you scratching your head. Thank you for being part of today's class. Um, everybody else, thank you guys. It was yeah. great. I know it was a lot of definitions and terms, but I hope it's all starting to sink in. If it isn't, just write them down. We'll talk a little about it next class, okay? So Kathleen, just, that means no fees. Kathleen's asking about what does it mean when you're saying no monthly fees? Oh, good question. In the account, right. So monthly fees mean that some accounts will charge, just they'll charge you, and I don't want to use the word fee again, because you're not supposed to use like the same word. Like $34 something, $34 for a fee, right? They'll, they'll charge you to, to have an account, and that's what we right. call fees. Some of them, go ahead, Jeff, you want to say you something? Have a, you, have a, you have a limit. Some, some banks say you have to have at least $1,500 in the account, and then you don't get a fee. All right. If your account drops below $1,500, you can get like um, a $10 fee, a $15 fee on that, you know? So if banks charge those fees, don't go to those banks. Go to banks that don't charge those fees. They, you want a friendly bank that's helping you because you're young and you're just beginning. There's, there's community banks that will help you, all right? They will help you avoid fees. TD Bank, um, 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 United uh, Bank, which is online, um, some of these banks, they don't charge fees, but you have to read between the lines and understand and ask questions when you open up the account. Once you do that, they'll let you know in plain English, here's what we will charge you. And that's all you want to know. And if they're not charging you for having those accounts at, at a um, small amount, that's fine. Then you're in good hands. And maybe, you know, Mr. 50, Sean, maybe we could put a list together. Like, here's some sample questions you're going to want to ask when you head into the bank so that we're giving everybody, um, like, a tool. I have another question. Say that you get double, like, they charge you double or whatever. How would you tell your bank that it's not true? How do we tell them that it's what? Sorry, say it one more time. Oh, how would you Say get you that get double charge. How would you tell them that it's not you who's using your car? I mean, most times they should have like a customer service um, number that you call. Um, and they'll usually put you in contact with um, a representative and they'll run through your transactions. They'll ask you some personal questions about yourself, whether it's your social security number or only information that you'd know probably not your social security number over the phone because most times they want to do that like electronically um, through forms, but they'll try to verify your identity first and then run through a list of transactions. You'll detail which one it is. And then you can sometimes put in a claim that I think depending on what information they, they, they find in their investigation, um, you can put in a claim and, and that will depend on like how long um, the time period will be for you to wait for you to get reimbursed. Um, it can be lengthy sometimes, though, depending on what, what it was. But if it was something that they can easily fix and it was a, a quick mistake, um, I've, I've definitely gotten money back within a short amount of time. And I just want to add quickly, Sean made a point. You're not married to these banks. All right. You're dating. If they don't act right, dump them and go somewhere else. You're not married to any of these products, whether it's banks, credit cards, or any of this stuff. Sometimes you get you feel this thing to be loyal to the bank. The bank is only there to, to get your money, their, their business. And all banks will serve your purpose first, not the bank's purpose. It has to serve your purpose. So if the bank is not serving your purpose, dump them. Go somewhere else. Make them exactly. qualify to be your, serve you. 
And the thing you have to understand too, the last point I'll make on this is that, you know, you have to depend on yourself and manage your own account. Like, you know, you have to check your account on a regular basis. You can't wait till you see all these transactions happening 30 days later, 15 days later, and then cry to the bank about, you know, things being taken out of your account that you didn't, that you weren't aware of. It's your responsibility to see when it happens and know when it happens within a reasonable time and address it right away. So it doesn't accumulate. It doesn't surmount to a lot of transactions. You know, it's your job to stay on top of your finances and manage your money. It's your money. It's in your best interest to know what's going on and know what's happening in your account. You got to take accountability. Absolutely. I have a question. Sure. How many credit cards should one person own? I think we talked about that in previous class, but you know, there's no magic number, like we said, and you know, and we don't encourage closing your account because it actually lowers your credit score, which we discussed because you don't have as many, you don't have um, your credit limits decline as you close your cards, right? You don't have available credit, but it's a number that you know that you can manage, and you know, I don't want to say, oh, only get three credit cards. And then there's a great opportunity on a credit card that's offering zero interest or lower interest rate. And you say, no, I'm at my max because Sean from Financial Clean said I should only have three. So there's really no magic number. But I wouldn't say it's good to have multiple cards with multiple balances because that gets hard to manage. But you can have multiple cards with zero balances only maybe using one or two of those cards. Does that make sense? What's the reason of having so much credit cards if you can just use one? Okay, because let's just say you have one credit card with $500 balance on it, but you have three credit cards with $500 each balance on it, which would equal $1,500 available credit. You get that? 500 times three. You with me? Mm -hmm. Okay, so now you have three credit cards with a total outstanding balance of $1,500. Or you want to do your scenario where you have one credit card with a balance of only $500. And let's just say on that one credit card, you've used up $300. Your utilization rate would be 300 divided by 500, which would be 66% utilization rate. Does that make sense? So you've used up 66% of the available credit. Now, that may not be going into desperate zone, but it's, it's looking like you're almost getting close. You're, getting, you're moving up there to max out your credit. While if that $300 was looked at, with combination of the other two credit cards, the lender would say, well, you have three cards, two of them are at zero. One of them only uses up $300 of it. So you've only used 300 out of $1,500 available credit. You look more favorable to the banks, to lenders. Does that make sense? Wait, aren't you supposed to uh, spend that certain amount of money in somehow? Like in some time? Like if they give you... $500 in a card, credit card. Aren't you supposed to spend that in a month so you could put it back? No, that's no. what they're pushing you to use the credit. You're not, we're not telling you to spend a lot. You have that available. You don't have to spend it all any month. Actively use it. You don't have to use all of it to show that you're able to manage credit. But the goal is not, the goal of this program is not to tell you to max out your credit cards and continue to put high spend on your cards if you don't need to. If you know, like Mr. 850 was saying earlier, if you have the resources to pay it all off full every month, then, and you're managing your money, you're still saving, you're still with that wealth mindset, it's fine. But if you're just putting excessive amounts on credit and not able to pay it back in full, this comes to the, the problem of you know living beyond your means and then you can run yourself into very deep debt as we were talking about. Yeah, like let's, say, let's say you have a $500 credit card, you spend it in a month and then you put it back by the time. Oh, absolutely. You're paying off. Well, that's, that's the right thing to do. Yes. Okay. Clear? All right. Crystal? Okay. Cool. Great questions, by the way, everyone. Thank you. You guys keep really do like this class because you're not usually in Zoom class. People are ready to jump off. We still have 20-something people on, and it's 10 minutes after class, Rachel. That's a beautiful thing. That is big. Everybody's still, everybody's still tuned in. So thank you for all the wonderful questions. Um, Think about any more questions you have, and you know if this if next week's class just becomes a Q and A question, then so be it. I'd rather you understand what we're teaching versus trying to get through everything, and then you only get a little bit. You don't understand everything, and that's the point of this course, like making sure that you have, you know, it goes off in its own direction. So if you guys want to do Q and A, and we spend half the class doing Q and A, then that's what it is. Keep All right. Question. So yeah. Keep, yeah. Yes. In summary, that's what I'm saying. Keep your questions coming, and don't think that. 
you don't need to ask them because you're messing up the flow of the class. Absolutely not. Ask the questions. And they're all great questions. So thank you, guys. All right. So with this, we're signing off. Yeah. And we'll be back Thursday. Right. See you guys we'll Thursday. We'll be back thank Thursday. You all, all right, right everyone. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, have a great day. Thank guys. you. Bye. All right, now. All right. Have a great day. See you guys Thursday. All right. All right. Thank Bye -bye. you. Guys. Thank Hello. you always. Y'all get home safe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.